Uh, we're going to get into God's Word today. This is part two of the Lord's Prayer series. If you're taking notes, the title of the message is Partnership with God. Um, and I'm going to invite you all to stand, and we're going to put the Lord's Prayer on the screen. And we're going to say this together. Although we know it by heart, don't we, as well. All right, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, uh, in part one of this message, and if you weren't here last week, you can go on to our Bayside Church website. Uh, under media, you'll find message of the week, and um, you can click on that. It gives you audio uh, that you can download and listen to on your way to work or uh, at any time. And uh, there's also the video for you to catch up as well. Last week, focused on our Father which really are the two most important words. When you think about our Christian life and experience, our talks about community. We're experiencing our today. He's not just my father, he's your father, so he's our father. And so it's community and relationship. Relationship together. Right there at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says relationship is the most important thing to focus on. So often I've been guilty of coming into a prayer time uh, with a shopping list and say, well, these are the things I need. I'm a little short on time today, God, so, you know, if you wouldn't mind, these are the things I need. Or I come into the presence of God and, um, and, and I'm whinging about some temptation or trial or test that I'm going through. Oh, everything's not as good as I'd like it to be or whatever the case. And I have found that whenever I do that in prayer, it's never good. I never feel like my prayers are actually resonating or getting through to God. It's like the heavens become brass and, and my prayers bounce off and, and uh, they're not actually, I don't feel like I'm communicating. And the reason is that I'm actually not communicating in the way that Jesus taught because he said that when you start communicating with the Father, do it out of a recognition of the relationship that already exists. And I find that the older I get as a Christian, my prayer times and my devotional life and just my, just my day-to-day life, I go through each day trying to recognize and be conscious of the fact that I'm in relationship with the Father. Sometimes it's a very comfortable silence. Do you know those people that you, you, you can be with and you actually don't have to say anything? If you have conversation, it's okay, but if there's no conversation, you don't feel awkward, you know? I've been with people which is exactly the opposite of that. And, and uh, I remember being with this guy years ago. Christy had gone shopping with his wife and she said, you've got to spend the afternoon with him. And I'm like, and, and, and I thought, okay, well, he's interested in rugby and I'm not really interested in rugby, but I, I did a little bit of research so I could talk to him and I asked him a couple of questions about rugby and he goes, oh, not really. Yes. Okay, well, that's done rugby. My other subjects, let's talk about the Bible because he's a Christian and, you know, that lasted for about three minutes and we were together for four hours and I learned a lot about what I know about eternity by being with him for four hours. <laughs> I went back to Christian and I said, don't you ever leave me with him again. 
was exhausting, but it's not like that with God. We can hang out in the presence of God wherever we are because we are in relationship with Him. So always start prayer with relationship. Now, I understand that there are negative connotations for some people with the word Father or with the maleness of God. So for some, you've had an absent father, a distant father, or an unkind father. And so that's your experience of father, and you hear about God being a father, and that's a negative thing for you. And if that's you, I really encourage you to pray that through, and maybe even receive prayer for that. And over the process of time, retrain your thinking to think of God as very different to your earthly dad. Because we are all less than perfect as fathers, and yet God, our heavenly Father, is perfect. He is kind and always kind. He is not distant, as we'll see in just a moment. He is, he is loving and gracious and merciful, and they are qualities that we need to meditate on. Other people have had negative uh, experiences with men or in, in, in their life. And, um, and so when we talk about God as Father and the personal pronouns of He and Him in Scripture, again, that can be a negative for some people. And uh, so in your message notes, if you go online, you'll find at the end of the message notes, there's an article that I've written, uh, and it's called, Is God a Man? And it gives you a Bible study um, based on this question. Because God reveals himself to us as our father, does that mean he's male in gender? And so have a read of that, and I'll give you some scripture and some concepts that will broaden your um, uh, view of God and, uh, and hopefully your relationship with him. So today's message is called Partnership with God, and it's based on the second part of the line. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. And in this message, you're going to answer two questions for you. Question number one, where is God? And question two, what's in a name? So let's get into this together. First of all, where is God? In the Lord's Prayer, it says, our Father is in heaven. In heaven. Now, what we've got to understand is that the way that the people back in Bible days viewed creation. We know, of course, in this day and age, because of uh, science and astronomy and all that we have learned, that things are very different than the way that people in Bible days viewed the earth. They viewed the earth as a flat disk. So they looked out over the horizon and they realized that there was an edge to it and it kind of curved around. And so from their viewpoint, the earth was a flat disk. Heaven was up and the grave was down. They had very little, if any, revelation on punishment after life or even uh, of uh, eternity without end. And so the end was to be gathered with your ancestors in the grave or Sheol. So that was down, God was up, and we are in the present on this flat disk. And there's a lot of language in the Bible that actually reflects that cultural concept of the day. So when you're reading the Bible, quite often you'll come across things like that. God is viewed as the most high, you know, gathered to the grave with our ancestors and, and I'm just enjoying life or whatever on this planet where I find myself. And so for much of the people in the Bible, God was up there, our Father in heaven. Where is God? Well, it's much more helpful to understand that the word heaven here is actually translated in a different way in many parts of the New Testament. In some of the New Testament, this word heaven is actually translated as air. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, for example, verses 1 and 2, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, 
in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Same Greek word, air, heaven. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And so here it talks about demonic powers that are in the air. They're all around us. And sometimes you hear that in people's language. Oh, the devil's doing this and devil's giving me a hard time. And our concept, because of scriptures like this, is that the demons and the devil are all around us, but God's up there. And that's really not a lot of help. God, I'm having a hard time right here. The devil, the demons, they're all around me. They're giving me a hard time. What are you doing up there? I need you down here. And yet if we understand that this same word, heaven or heavens, doesn't mean up there somewhere. It means all around us. God is in the air. He's not up there. He's actually as close to us as the air that we breathe. And so we could translate this first line of the Lord's Prayer, our Father who's as close to us as the air we breathe. That can revolutionize your prayer life and your walk with God and your relationship with God right there. Close to us is the air we breathe. Everyone breathe in. Where is the air? Actually, you can breathe out again. (laughs) Suddenly, all of Bayside turned blue. So the air, when you breathe in, where is it? Yeah, okay. That's, where, that's, that's just like God. Where is God? Well, he's in us and he's around us. He's not up there somewhere. Sometimes when we worship the Lord, you know, we, we try, we, we're looking up, and that's fine, you know, proximity, hands up, face up, whatever. But like God's up there, and when we sing songs to try and drag God down, like he's some sort of reluctant person. You know, if I sing this song often enough and long enough, and I repeat it enough, and if I pray long enough and, um, and, and repeat myself over and over again, maybe this reluctant God will leave the comfort of heaven and come here and actually rescue me from the demons that are all around me. And yet God is as close to us as the air that we breathe. He's in us and He's around us. And so this is so important because prayer rests on the foundation, not only that He is our Father, that we're in relationship with Him, but that He is near to us, that He hears us, that we're in partnership with Him. And so really, that translation, our Father, who's as close to us as the air we breathe, hallowed be your name. So that's where God is. The second final question is, what's in a name? And I want to share a couple of things with you in this regard. First of all, a person's name is the first point of communication. And so for us to fully communicate with others and develop relationship, it's important for us to know their name. Knowing someone's name is the first part of communication. One of my goals as a pastor has always been to try and learn and remember people's names. And I can look across the congregation and I know many of you uh, by name. Uh, Some of you I don't know by name and you actually need to make my job easier for me. Uh, When you come up, you need to shake my hand and remind me of your name if I'm looking kind of blank. You know, if I go up to you and say, oh, yeah, hi, Andrew, obviously you know, I, you know that I know your name. You know, uh, hi, Dale, hi, Marcus, hey, Lee. You know, I, I know your name, but if I call you brother or sister, 
you know, I've forgotten or I've not met you before. And sometimes I know your face, but, I, but I've forgotten your name. And, so, and that's the same with all of us. And we actually need to be kind to one another. So if we're looking a little starstruck or if the conversation's been going for a while and, and the name has not been used, just say, oh, by the name, my name's Rob. I like the Monty Python skit where everyone's called Bruce. I always think that keeps it very, very simple. You know, good day, Bruce. How are you, Bruce? Oh, good, thanks, Bruce. How you going, Bruce? Oh, look, here comes Bruce. And it's really, really good, except the British guy then finally joins and his name's Colin. And that confuses everybody. And they go, well, that's going to make things very complicated, mate. You know, can we mind if we call you Bruce? And so maybe we should be the first church of the Bruce. Where everyone, when you come in, your name's Bruce and we just call you Bruce. Hello, Bruce. And everyone turns around. But no, let's learn each other's names and help each other learn each other's names because it's the first point of communication. When Moses had an encounter with God in uh, manifesting to him in a bush that was burning but not being consumed, Moses starts a conversation with God in Exodus chapter 3. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites, like God was asking them to, and, they, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What then shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Now, on the face of it, that looks like a really unhelpful name to give. I am who I am. So he goes back to the Israelites and, and who sent you? I am who I am. Really? It seems really unhelpful until you actually understand what God is communicating here. Let me unpack this a little bit for you. I am uh, who I am. When you put that in the Hebrew... Um, you, they take the first letter from each of those four words, I am who I am in Hebrew. And when you put that in English, the four letters are Y-H-W-H, which is completely, yeah, well, we make Yahweh out of it, but it's actually completely unpronounceable. In fact, Jewish people, even to this very day, will not pronounce that name of God. It's totally unpronounceable in their language, and out of respect and honor and reverence to the Lord, they won't pronounce that name. Christy and I have a really good friend who's a Jewish rabbi, and whenever he writes, and sometimes you'll notice he will write comments on my Facebook page, and if he writes the name God, he will always put a dash in the middle, G-D, because for him, it's not right to write the name of God. He won't say the name of God because of reverence for him, they won't pronounce his name. And so YHWH is unpronounceable, but of course, those of us who speak English don't have that same level, uh, maybe of respect, or culturally, we don't have a problem pronouncing the name of God, so we get a couple of vowels, A and E, we whack them in there and call it Yahweh, or Yahweh, as the proper pronunciation, pronunciation would be. In Exodus chapter 6, a couple of chapters later, verses 2 and 3, God said to Moses, I am the Lord, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, that is El Shaddai. I appeared to them in that way, but by my name, the Lord, Yahweh, I did not make myself fully known to them. In other words, God was communicating in a whole new way to Moses than he had for the past 500 years since he introduced himself to Abram before he changed his name to Abraham. And so when God spoke to Abram for the very first time. And remember that Abram was not necessarily <clears throat> a person that was walking with God or even knew God. He turned up and introduced himself to Abram. 
Now, Abram was probably a pagan sun worshiper. God wanted to reveal himself to Abram, and Abram had little or no concept of, of this God, and so God revealed himself to Abram as El Shaddai. El meaning God, and Shaddai was actually the name of a pagan goddess that meant the one of the breast. And so what God did was choose a name that related to the culture of the day. How can I communicate a God that he doesn't know? The way I can do that is by revealing myself by someone or something that he does know. And so God used this name. He said, I am literally God of the womb or God of the breast. And that word meaning provision. So just like a woman would breastfeed or nurse a baby, providing for that baby, the sustenance that that baby needs. God revealed himself by that name to show Abram and and his um, successors what he was like. And so he took that name, El Shaddai, um, God of the breast, the one who has provided. Now, El Shaddai is past and present. And so when God turns up and he starts communicating by this name to Abram, What he's saying to Abram is, you've had this kind of vague awareness that there's a God who's been looking, or maybe something or someone that's been looking out for you in your past. You've had instances in your life where you go, oh, wow, I've been through a really difficult situation, but this has all kind of turned out well. Um, I've been doing things really tough, but then suddenly things started to change. And God is revealing himself by this name, saying to Abraham, I was the one that was looking out for you all that time, even though you never knew about it. I'm he. I'm introducing myself by a name to you right now, all the way through. And so for the next 500 years, Isaac, Jacob, all the different generations, they knew God by this name, El Shaddai. He was the one that had been looking out for them in their past and would look out for them in the present. But then he comes to Moses, 500 years later than Abram, and he says uh, a whole new name. I'm going to reveal myself by a new name to you, Moses, and to the people of Israel, a name that I did not introduce myself to uh, Abraham as, and it's this YHWH, Yahweh or Yahweh, when it's interpreted or translated into Latin by the monks in the 12th and 13th century, there wasn't a Y. Uh, in Latin, and so they used J instead, and they turned Yahweh or Yahweh into Yehovah, and we pronounce that as Jehovah. And it literally means, I am he who will be. So El Shaddai dealt with the past and the present. Yahweh or Jehovah deals with the present and the future. I am he who will be. It's a prophetic name. And that's why this would have meant a great deal to Moses and to the people of Israel who had been in slavery for 400 years. I mean, if you're in slavery in Egypt and you're making bricks to build supply cities for Pharaoh, what do you need? You need someone coming along and saying, ooh, let me give you some more straw to make those bricks. You need someone tapping you on the shoulder saying, let me explain to you why you've been in slavery for 400 years. You know, I find some of God's people even do that today. Someone's going through a tough time and and well-meaning brother or well-meaning sister comes along and wants to explain why you're going through that suffering. It's because you've got sin in your life and you have a lack of faith. And I always feel incredibly encouraged when someone tries to explain that to me. Yeah? Hmm. 
No, what you need in those times is actually someone to be what you need them to be. And that's what Yahweh is all about. God is saying to the people, I am going to be what you need me to be. When you're in slavery, what do you need? You need a deliverer. And that's why God introduced himself as that name. I will be the one you need right now. I'm the one that's going to set you free. Just watch what I'm about to do. And we read the rest of those chapters in Exodus where God brings the plagues and eventually forces Pharaoh's hand that sets the people free and eventually brings them into the promised land. And then God progressively reveals himself to people as to what they need him to be for them. And that's where we find through the old covenant scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, the various names of Yahweh or Jehovah. We'll put some of them on the screen for you. We find Yahweh Rapha, and where God says, I am the one who will heal you. Doesn't mean you're going to get healed right now, but I am the one who will progressively bring healing into your life as you walk with me into your future. Yahweh, uh, Yahweh Nisi, which means I am the one who will give you victory. Sometimes it's translated, I am the Lord, your banner. A banner was something that was lifted up and waved as victory was given in a fight. I am the one who will give you victory. Yahweh Makadesh. I am the one who will sanctify you. What a wonderful revelation of God that is. That when we blow it in some way, when we sin, when we make a mistake, God comes with that revelation of who he is. The one that comes alongside to encourage and to forgive and to cleanse and to make us holy. Yahweh Shalom, I am the one who will give you peace. Yahweh Rohi, I am the one who will be your shepherd. Yahweh Tzidkanu, I am the one who will be your righteousness. Yahweh Shammah, I am the one who will be there for you. This is how God progressively revealed himself to people to be exactly what they needed him to be. And God does the same in the new covenant Jesus introduces God as your Father, our Father, who is as close to us as the air that we breathe, who wants to be all that we need Him to be. Amen. And so what do you need God to be for you right now? What do you need God to be for you as you move into the future with Him? He's as close to you as the air that you breathe. You're in relationship with Him, and through that relationship, He looks out for you and cares for you. Then we get into the New Testament and Jesus, of course, is the ultimate revelation of the name of God. In John chapter 17 and verse 6, Jesus prays in his long prayer there in John 17. He prays and he says, Lord, Father, I have revealed your name to all those that you have given to me. What name did Jesus reveal to us as his followers? He revealed the name of God as Father. And so we see all the way script through Scripture this progressive revelation of God. The people back in Abram's day, they weren't ready for God to reveal himself as their own personal father. They were ready for El Shaddai. 500 years later, they were ready for Yahweh. Now we're ready for Father. That's the revelation of who God is to us here in this day and age. In John's Gospel, we see seven I Ams of Jesus where we realize that Jesus is actually Yahweh in human form. Yahweh in the flesh. He says in John's gospel, I am the bread of life. That is provision. I am the light of the world. That is direction. I am the door of the sheep. That is safety. I am the good shepherd. That is care. 
I am the resurrection and the life that gives us hope. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Talking about relationship with the Father, and I am the true vine, meaning sustenance. And so right at the start of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus emphasizes the importance of hallowing the name of God as our Father. Father is his revealed name now, and we can communicate with our Father because we know his name, and like a good Father, he will be to us all that we need. And so a person's name is the first point of communication, and secondly and finally, a person's name represents their character. The word hallow means to be made holy. The opposite of hallow is common. Now, think about this for a moment, because to hallow the name of God, to make the name of God holy, isn't God's name already holy? So what does that mean? It it seems on first glance to be stating the obvious. It's a bit like me standing on this wooden platform and going, I hope this wood is hard. Afterwards, we're going to enjoy a tea and a coffee together, and it's like going up to an urn that's got steam gushing out of the top and going, I hope this water's hot. I hope the name of God, I want to make the name of God holy, but God's name is already holy, but what we've got to understand is that the name of God can be made unholy, it can be made common, and it can be defiled by the actions of His people. And this is really important for us to understand. If you look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 20 to 23, wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave this land. Verse 21, I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel had profaned among the nations where they had gone. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show or demonstrate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. It's that last line that needs to resonate with us. The name of God can be proved to be holy through us before the eyes of others, other people. What we see here is that God calls us as His people to be in partnership with Himself. He's as close to us as the air that we breathe. His name is holy and He asks that the people of this world will see the holiness of His name through the actions of His people. And so when we pray, our Father, hallowed be your name, it's not to make the name of God holy, which it already is, but we're actually praying a prayer for God to help us to demonstrate the holiness of His name to the people around us. It's intensely practical. In fact, every day, you know, I want to get out of bed and say, Lord, through my words, through my actions and reactions, through, through what I do, through what I say, I want to demonstrate how good you are, how loving you are, how kind you are. Isn't it tragic that so many people in Australia, when you name the name of God, they think of pedophiles. 
When, when you name the name of God, they think of um, uh, judgmental uh, Christians. And what, what, what it does is actually makes you want to take a step away from God. We need to behave and speak and act in such a way that when people hear us and know us, they go, wow, this is interesting. Let me take a step toward him. That's what it means to hallow the name of God. That's intensely practical. Wherever we go, in our families, amongst our friends, uh, uh, in our workplaces, just in, in general, in community, I want to behave in such a way that I do not make the name of God common or profane. I want to hallow his holy name. So I'm going to do a little um, uh, activity with you right now as I wrap up. Because the word um, name here in the Greek uh, refers to reputation or character. And see, when we, when we hear a name, there is an emotional response, either positive or negative, that happens on the inside of us when we respond to that name. And so I'm going to read a few names out. And I, if, it's, if there's a positive response on the inside of you, I want you to cheer. And if there's a negative response on the inside of you, I want you to boo. All right? So let's practice. Everybody cheer. Everybody boo. Boo. All right. I'm going to start with a really easy one. Adolf Hitler. You got that right. Florence Nightingale. Joseph Stalin. Jimmy Day. Oh, you got a bigger cheer than Florence Nightingale. (laughs) Which is good, really, because she's dead. And you're alive. Well, at least I hope Florence Nightingale's dead. Otherwise, she's very old, still walking around with a lamp somewhere. Uh, Nelson Mandela. Here's a hard one. Justin Bieber. Real mixture there. He He got a boo last night and this morning at Cheltenham, except one of our youth, who was a guy, who went, yeah. Everyone turned around and looked at him. It was very embarrassing. All right, Mother Teresa. Osama Bin Laden, Princess Diana, Billy Graham, Vlad the Impaler. Some of you are a little unsure. You're turning as, who's Vlad the Impaler? You know what? You don't actually have to know who Vlad the Impaler is to know whether to cheer or to boo. Anyone with the Impaler after their name (laughs) is probably not good. Just a thought. Uh, Judas Iscariot. Okay. <laughs> Rob Buckingham. Oh, thank you. You guys, you didn't have to do that, but I'm glad you did. And so as soon as we hear a person's name, it brings up emotions connected to their character, their reputation, and their actions. It's the same with God. We, his people, are called into partnership with him to hallow his name. To make his name holy so that when people hear the name of our Father, they have an emotional response that is good. Hallowed be your name. Amen. Let's bow in prayer together as the worship team come. Our Father, who is as close to us as the air that we breathe, may we proclaim and act in such a way that enhances the holiness of your name in the city of Frankston and beyond. 
We commit ourselves afresh to live lives of goodness and love and grace that exalt your holy name to the people of this city. Father, we so regret the times that your church has acted in a way that has made people step away. Lord, we thank you that you've, you've put a, a mission and a call upon us as a church to show that church has changed and to encourage people, even if they've had negative responses or experiences of church in the past, to, to check it out. Thank you that many have over the years and that their relationship with you and the relationship with your church has been healed. And we pray that for the people in the city of Frankston, Lord God. We pray for thousands of people that have had negative experiences with your church in the city over the years. And we ask, Lord God, that some of them would, even if it's tentatively, start to dip their toe in the water once again to check it out and to come swimming in the community of love and grace. We commit ourselves afresh to this purpose in this city. Just while every head is bowed and every eye closed, I want to give opportunity for anyone in this place today to come into relationship with our Father. For some of you, this might be new. It might be a completely new concept of God. Maybe you've always viewed God as someone who's distant, who's someone who's up there. I know some people who have a a view of God like he's this kind of old man sitting on a throne up in, the, up in space somewhere, long flowing beard. But, you know, Jesus came to reveal God in human form. And he, his revelation of the Father was very, very different to that. He's as close to you as the air that you breathe. He loves you with an everlasting love and he wants to call you into a relationship with himself. And so if you've never done that, or maybe you've done that before, but, but today is a time just to recommit your life to him and to come closer in relationship while no one's looking around if that's you i just encourage you to lift your hand up so i can see it god bless you mate that's awesome anyone else like to join this man this morning don't be shy i'm not going to embarrass you anyone else All right, just while you're seated, I want you to repeat this prayer after me, all of us together. The man that raised your hand, I want you to make this your very special prayer today. Let's pray this. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to this planet to reveal who God really is. I see you afresh as my father and as my brothers and sisters as a community of believers. I open my life to you and I ask from this morning that I will start a wonderful relationship with you as my heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.